Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Sequel Pitch, the podcast where three finely dressed film lovers pitch sequel <laughs> ideas to movies that don't currently have them. I'm the author of The Round Table this week, Matt Rushton, and joining me as always, my valiant knights of the round table, Ross Harmston. Almost heaven, West Virginia, <laughs> Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. All right. Drew Toynbee, beat that one. Uh, hi. <laughs> and, of course, Andy Henry. <laughs> uh, to Excalibur! <laughs> this, they've missed a trick That's not a... having references to Excalibur in this movie. <laughs> I feel like they've big time missed a trick. So, after some incredible pitches to last week's film, A Star is Born, I thought I'd keep that intensity and uh, get our pitchers to pitch me some sequels to the second Kingsman movie, Kingsman The Golden Circle. Yeah. For those that haven't watched the movie already, now could be a great time to do so. Okay, welcome back. For everyone else who didn't pause us, here is your 60-ish second summary, starting now. Fresh off saving the world, Taron Egerton's Eggsy fights asshole-turned-villain from movie one, Charlie Hesketh, in, a, in an epic taxi ride where Charlie's robotic arm manages to attach itself to a souped-up taxi. <sighs> the, this gives drug cartel CEO Poppy Adams, played by Julianne Moore, complete access to the Kingsman database where she bombs every site, killing all of Eggsy's comrades and friends in the process. A doomsday protocol guides Eggsy and Merlin, who somehow survived, reprised by Mark Strong, to the Statesman Distillery in Kentucky, USA. It turns out the Statesman are also an independent intelligence agency, and the two forces team up. Channing Tatum's tequila soon gets taken out of commission as a blue rash begins to sweep the recreational drug world. Poppy Adams' plan is to ransom the world's population with a lethal concoction that needs her formulated antidote, one that she will release when drugs are legalised around the world. The president, of course, has no plans to meet her demands and says the criminals who use the drugs should die as punishment. Eggsy, along with the returning Harry, played by Colin Firth, who is having some severe side effects to being shot in the head in the first movie, and, of course, Pedro Pascal's whiskey, they try to collect a vial of the antidote from a lab in Italy, but to no avail. Harry ends up shooting Whiskey in the head, believing him to be working for Poppy. Eggsy saves Whiskey with some alpha gel, some very cool substance, uh, that was used to keep Harry alive in the first movie, it turns out. The team eventually track down Poppy's hideout in Cambodia, and they storm it. Merlin nobly sacrifices himself to save the others, and Eggsy and the Harry confront Poppy, also saving Elton John in the process. The team eventually track down Poppy... No, I've already read that bit. <laughs> Poppy does give the antidote code over to the Kingsman once she's infected with her own virus, but she dies shortly after due to a heroin overdose. Whiskey reappears, confirming Harry's concerns, and tries to stop the team in vain before being ground up in a mincer. The tailors save the world again, the statesmen invest into the Kingsman, and they create a whiskey distillery in Scotland. Kingsman is now in the liquor business. So there you go, very, very... Quick synopsis. What do we think, chaps? Love it. It's yeah, it was pretty good, but not as good as the first. I'll throw it out there. Yeah, I'm I'm with I'm definitely with Andy on that. It's yeah. it's they, fun. They they definitely went balls to the wall in the second one. They were just like, mm. We are gonna go absolutely mad in the yes. second one. 
robots, robot dogs, uh, <laughs> being able to survive after being shot in the fucking head uh, <laughs> by using some gel, um, lasso, electric lasso, mm-hmm. lightsabers. Uh, Mixing up uh, man meat for yeah, burgers. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty They hardcore. went, and Elton John as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what a random. Yeah, they went. Throw Elton John in there. But, and despite all that, I love it. I don't know why. Like, mm. uh, everything about it should make me go, this is stupid. But mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. love it. I don't know why. I think it, I love the soundtrack to it. Like, the yeah. soundtrack's really good. Um, yeah. And the performances are really good as well. Um, well, it doesn't take itself seriously, which, help, which helps you obviously have a laugh along with it. And I think um, it, it just goes, it, it just, you know, highlights all those mad you know, James Bond films that we've seen or any of the, like, you know, old spy thriller movies and they've just gone fully uh, balls to the wall, really, haven't they? Yeah. Um, oh, they've got a briefcase sure. gun and an um, umbrella shield in this one. It's just anything. Yeah. Anything goes. It's quite funny. And, yeah, and that weird gel that just just cures headshots. Just <laughs> yeah. bam. Which Nan- they completely nanobite. ruined in yeah, the trailer. And, and if I remember nanites. Right. Nanites. nanites the yeah. They, if rebuild. I remember it right, the way Halle Berry explained it was they go in and they protect your brain. Yeah, the and then gel the nanites project, do the work. The gel protects that's, the brain. That's, and then the nanites just... go in and rebuild the tissue, which is kind <laughs> of like, you know earth-shatteringly powerful technology <laughs> um, that they don't share with anyone yeah that yeah. is no. that is all hoarded away for jeff bridges and his three mates <laughs> i love the like even in the first one though i love the fight scenes the fight scenes have choreographed Insane. really yeah. well as yeah. well um, yeah i i say the first one the taxi for me was a little bit heavy on cgi the yeah. background i think because but it still it still looked great, and yeah, the end the end scene as well. Like again, it's probably heavy. quite difficult to film fighting in an actual taxi driving around actual London. I must admit, <laughs> Andy, but yeah, you are right. Yeah, we we've <laughs> definitely know, they, seen. They had to make sacrifices. Would, yeah, we've definitely you, seen better. Tom Cruise, it was Tom Cruise. He would have done it for real. What do you guys <laughs> think that they used as the method of of filming the fight scenes? Because they seem like they're cranked. At certain bits, do you know? Does it oh, make it's, sense? It's, like... it's just a huge mix of different. Like there's there's elements of like Snorri cam. There's elements of there, there's there's overcranked moments. There's slow mo moments. There's a lot of like full CG character models, which are really convincing. Like yeah. there's a there's a moment in the um in the taxi fight where the baddie pulls. Um, Eggsy through the slit in the seat from the boot of the car into the passenger compartment, and that's mm-hmm. like looks pretty clearly CG, and mm. the models are all really good. But it's yeah, it's it's incredibly inventive, and these really really long, digitally created oneers. Um, yeah, it's the the choreography is absolutely one of the highlights for me yeah. mm. i wouldn't be i mean i wouldn't be surprised if they kind of take a similar approach to how they did it with the matrix you know where they just get 20 30 cameras arced and they just film every single angle but in a much tighter scale because yeah. then through your edit you can just you can create that 360 that kind of rotational feel that they're using they like, them, quite they like a lot movement as well mm. if you just have a stationary 360 i say like the one shots are very movie aren't they they come in and out mm. yeah and i the speaking of the taxi sequence like i love that that's the opener to the film 
that it mm-hmm. looks like it's going to start sort of quite sedate and introduce her to the characters. And immediately there's a baddie from the previous movie shows up and then we're into a bonkers mm-hmm. fight and it only slows down to take a breath. Like it feels like they wanted to do the James Bond opening madness sequence, mm-hmm. but have it also be part of the movie wherein Bond, it always felt very, very separate. I think they mm-hmm. they tried to do it a similar to I'm not sure when this came out, but you know the Quantum of Solace, the Quantum of Solace intro is literally the Aston Martin chase scene. Uh, yeah. That is the end of Casino Royale. Yeah. Um, uh, no, wait. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is quite cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I really like. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what to say. Like, there are some bonkers bit like. You know, maybe maybe bringing uh, Harry back, you know, was a bit... Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with that and the whole way they do it. But I thought the whole amnesia thing actually slowed the film down a bit. Yeah. Because they... Oh, my God. They put him through, a like, bit. a test, which he doesn't... Yeah, I can't remember. Like, like that's this, the thing. Like, a this bit, film I'm thinking... feels four hours long. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't remember how long it was until he, he proper gained it back. But I was just a bit like... If he if he came to during one of the tests, I'll be a bit like, oh, okay, but yeah. It well, just but felt that's a bit oh, that's the mad thing. He gets he gets his memory back at like the midpoint mm. of the movie. It's like a it's like an hour an hour and five minutes in or so. Yeah, but it feels like it's been an entire movie before yeah. he gets yeah. his memory yeah. back. That's the issue. One of the biggest issues I have with this is that it is it is just far too long. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Can so I, considering maybe... it was the same writing team and the same directing team, why do you think it didn't, Drew, coming back to you on that note, why do you think it didn't hold your attention and why do you think you didn't necessarily enjoy it as much as the first one? I think for, for me personally, the it, it feels a bit, it felt a bit flabby and it felt like there was too much focus put in in some area, like bringing Harry back is inspired and Colin Firth is really good. Um, but having it be until the final fight before he comes back into his own, it makes sense from a story perspective. But actually, it's just not that interesting watching him be a bit crap yeah. once he's got his memory back. Not to mention there's those three moments in the movie where you think he's going to get his memory back and then he doesn't. And it just feels more and more anticlimactic. And yeah, it it's... I think they have the first film was really well received because it was a bit over the top and it was like Bond on speed and people really liked all that and and I really enjoyed that too mm. but then this one just felt the first one went mad in the action scenes and it and that's where it really went off the wall bonkers nuts and that worked mm. really well and I feel like they've let the off-the-wall madness stuff spread too far into the rest of the movie for me. Yeah. I, I would rather that Poppy had two really mean flesh-and-blood dogs, not robot dogs, for no reason. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. like, yeah, it, it just... It makes sense. I completely get it, and I'm glad that it... Like, Ross, I'm glad you this works for you really, really well, because it is, in many ways a Roger Moore Bond movie made in 2017. This is Mm -hmm. what the Roger Moore Bond movies, like look at fucking Jaws and people with hooks for hands and all that kind of mad stuff. It all makes sense, but it just doesn't work for me. Uh, There's two bits 
that I've picked up like that I didn't like about the movie. Two bits of the movie. I didn't like the whole fingering the girl bit. Ooh, that yeah. was just very <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna get onto that. Yeah, that was weird. And Even also the camera when it kinda of went down, you're yeah, like, How far like, are we gonna go? <laughs> you don't need to show that. Like that was and then the second bit was the <laughs> The the spinning like thing that like goes oh, I don't know what they're called the the cable car well, no, the yeah. cable car that spins around that has oh, yeah. the level of a hundred why did they build that with the level <laughs> to spin around a hundred whatever like a hundred percent surely when they made it they were like should we no let's just put it down to twenty percent right yeah, yeah? Let, let's lock it off at twenty let's never put it at a hundred percent that was funny. Uh, go on, Drew. What were you going to say about the festival scene that no, was largely pointless? Well, exactly. Like it could have, it could have just been it. It it, it was just gratuitous, and mm. and it, I can't really say too much more than that. It just feels really icky, and he, and it's all tied in with his growth as a character, and like he 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 feels he has a duty to to insert the tracking device because he wants to save the world but he's trying to be faithful to um to the princess and that it's 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 a it is a really valid direction to take it to have him try and be in a committed relationship whilst being james bond that's that's really interesting and it's It's a it's a cool thing to explore but they just went too far like all they needed was him like zipping up the tent and then yeah. going in and then and coming out and then coming back out and being like no you know what i'm in a relationship i can't do this goodbye and we yeah. we would have absolutely got it and what it so my my what? question yeah. i do i yeah, had a question huge. about this um in that obviously we talk a lot on this podcast about character journeys and character progression when we pick up on the second or third films in the series like do you think one was there ever was there really an attempt while we're, whilst we're talking about this conflict in the tent um do we feel like it was a genuine attempt from the movie to create some deeper character relationships and development or do you think it was very much just kind of chucked in for flavor so that the the characters kind of had something to go up against i think they did try like i think drew's right and they tried to show the th- fact that it's not similar. He's trying to be this James Bond character, but with that, but he also has this person at home. But then it just didn't land with when you're trying to make it so gratuitous with him doing mm-hmm. that and then having this really over dramatic music. It's like da, 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 <laughs> when you follow in the little tracker inside her, you know, inside her, yeah, uh, yeah. which is just really weird. I was, <laughs> just took me out of the movie for a second. I was like, this is so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Drew's right. Maybe that was that... for a bit of the younger audiences, I guess. That because I've heard, I, mean, I don't think we saw Boob or anything, did we, with her? No, it was just no, it was a bra. CGI crotch, from what I remember, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't, I doubt they got the camera right up against it. Well, but, I mean, um, yeah, no. having read the trivia, that it wasn't a CGI crotch, that was a camera right there. Oh. Really, um, although I, I, I seem to remember it was her boyfriend or her husband's hand. Yeah, um, which maybe, which I mean, it makes you feel. Oh yeah, no, there we go. Um, yeah, Taron Edgerton said Poppy Delavine's husband mm. shot that scene, 
But yeah, it's still just like, it's just overly gratuitous. And yes, we get into this really funny area where you talk about why is seeing two people be put headfirst into meat grinders and immediately turned into burger meat Hmm. not gratuitous in the way that that is, but it's just icky. Like the violence (laughs) in this film is all really cartoony. And this is a woman being lied to and... Mm -hmm. And physically penetrated by a bloke who is lying to her. Yes, he's trying to save the world, and yes, she's a baddie, and all of this stuff. But it doesn't take away from the fact that that is that is. It just feels not good. And they could have put across exactly the same idea without having that shot, and it would have been infinitely more palatable than it is. Seventeen, you say? Yeah. I think we've come a long way since then. So if that was shot, if they did say do Kingsman three rather than the prequel, I think they wouldn't put anything. In that, oh like, yeah, in the future one. But. I um, I, but then they have like really good character moments, like the whole bit with Merlin at the end is be- like so good when he just sings uh, West Virginia, yeah, like yeah, yeah. so yeah. good. He yeah. was good. I think Poppy was um, wasted. I think. Yeah, like, the ending of her like when... was a bit just like oh, okay, okay, very anticlimactic. Yeah, um, yeah. To one big Julianne Moore. Yeah. Like she, Julianne Moore. It feels like she shot this movie in like a week and a half. They're just like, right, let's do <laughs> all of, yeah. let's do your four scenes in the diner. Yeah, we can get get yeah. all of that in one day. That's great, and we'll do that one scene in the bowling alley. Oh yeah, Julianne, you're done. Right, thanks. We've got one scene with Elton, and then uh, lunch, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then also how like weird? How do they? They stack all these people in cages in this stadium, oh and then god. they have to get them all down and inject mm-hmm. them in. Oh my god! Before, the president, they blow this up. president is amazing. Dead, <laughs> oh my dead. god! I was like, oh, how long the time it... it takes? Yeah, <laughs> I've got to get that one right at the top there. Oh yeah! Like, oh, why did you leave how... right at the top? Jesus. Yeah, how that happened? How they built all that in that stadium in that time <laughs> secretly? I guess. Yeah, but when the president was just like, "Yeah, fuck them, let them die." <laughs> that I was, was like, "Oh, amazing." That that just, was. No, just. I enjoyed that as a as a plot twist. That was yeah, like, an interesting yeah, really angle. But again, it's just it just shows it's that so it's leaning funny. into the cartoon villainy so yeah. much more than the first one. Like the first yeah. one felt semi-plausible and this one is just like fantasy sorry if you can hear my son <laughs> going he yeah in the background <laughs> he agrees with um, my dad <laughs> i've got one thing which like matt i was kind of hoping you would say in the uh, synopsis basically when when um harry shoots uh what's his name whiskey uh-huh. and says he showed his hand how did he show his hand? Did I miss something? Well, he knocked the vial out of... So yeah. Taron yeah. Egerton yeah, is I mean, holding was, the yeah, vial that was, very clearly. Is that it? Because... Well, but the camera does it in a way that very clearly will suggest what Harry saw. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. of the oh, way yeah, that, that he dives that, with an intent was... with a slow-mo push of his hand. So like, what Harry sees is exactly what the audience sees, but from his angle. Where yeah, no, no, Whiskey's only objective is to break the vial in Taron Egerton's hand. Which, in okay. Harry's eyes, he then goes, well, he broke that vial on purpose. He's a bad yeah. guy. Okay, okay. Um, I knew so, that. I was uh, just yeah, like, I just... that was... I guess he would be a, a world-class spy if he got his memory back just then and he was like, oh, I don't need any more convincing. I think, yeah, I think the point is that he never... Like, they're trying to suggest that whilst the butterflies are there and distracting them a bit, he's certainly not he's lost his touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's absolutely not lost his touch. But it just sells the whole idea that Harry is a broken man. And I think 
this is this yeah. was also what I was meaning when we were talking about these character growth and relationships, like the the turmoil for Eggsy with Harry and watching him become the shell of a man, obviously lost losing his dad at a young age, which is where the first movie kind of circles and centers around their relationship. They were clearly trying to find a new avenue to pursue that father-son relationship. And I guess the way that they thought they could do it best was having Harry back, but not having the Harry that Eggsy knew back. And, mm. you know, it's another turmoil for him. You know, there's a lot of, the way I see it, they're trying to build a lot of turmoil for Eggsy because what they can't do is have him being the chip on you know the chip on the shoulder kind of character anymore they do it in the first film that is this council estate lad that grew up no silver spoon against and around surrounded by people who've had privilege the whole life you can't do that again you know he's with a princess of sweden now you know he's going to marry this princess so they had to find new issues for him to like to get over in order to create a more rounded human-like character i guess and it's he's just whether you, they achieved it. He's definitely much more savage in this one. Like, he literally breaks the neck of Wasser's face yeah. right at the end. That was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, whoa, geez. Uh, I mean, I know he shoots, like, about 50,000 people in the movie. But it's just yeah. that. It's just, he's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, well, I mean, it's a real personal moment, isn't it? And I guess it's something where, you know, you don't necessarily see that from any of the Kingsmen in either movie that they mm. have a real personal vendetta moment. So to show that is something that kind of goes very much against the nature of what Kingsman are meant to do, but well, it's probably yeah, but a very satisfying moment for the actor and yeah. for the audience watching. Mm. Well, it's also <laughs> yeah. like he's set up as not being typical Kingsman material in every way. Like he's from a council estate and he won't yeah. shoot the dog and... Merlin is constantly telling him to calm down and not be emotional and then he does get emotional when he kills the bad guy and stuff like I and it also I wonder if at that point it had been such a fucking long time since everyone got bombed and blew up at the beginning of the movie they needed to mm. remind everyone why he was pissed off with this guy <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah fair it had been hadn't it he killed Michael Gambon for goodness sake yeah, yeah. killed them all Kill them so, all. <laughs> I think we're kind of coming to a natural conclusion with the movie. We've kind of touched on some of the things. All right. Do you mm. think one th one question, and we'll keep it a short question. Do you think any of the humor and the you know some of the writing, the cleverness in some of the case of the writing, do you think any of that was lost in the second movie? I think because the first one without. Because it was just basically Bond on speed, but it was still pretty original in a lot of the things. So it had a lot of personality. I think it I would, was. I just feel like the first one has a very British personality to it. Yeah, yeah. This definitely felt like uh, the you know I think Ross mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. The second, the hard second album to follow up because <laughs> they didn't really follow any of the comics that it's really based on. I don't think or so. Mm. I think I from from the very limited research that I've done in I think the comics are more like blatant more overtly political than yeah. than a oh, hollywood right. studio might be comfortable with directly adapting um like i i feel like you can see the leanings towards a kind of left-wing ideology in that it's a an american president with a red tie who says that all <laughs> drug users are degenerates yeah, and, exactly, yeah. and deserve to <laughs> to literally die 
Um, wonder what was happening in the States around the time they were filming this. Mm, yes, I do wonder <laughs> what did happen in 2016, 2017 again. Um, but yeah, it's it it just it felt like they they knew that they had a hit on their hands from the first one and they were like, right, mm. we need to build this world as big as possible. We need to get the statesman in. We need to show that it's a global thing so that we've got loads of different options of how we can spin this off when Taron Edgerton wins an Oscar for playing Elton John and then won't ever have time to come back and do this again, <laughs> even though he unfortunately didn't win an Oscar and he deserved to. Um, yeah. Like, it just, it was overstuffed. The first one was streamlined and felt very personal. And this one's a load of fun. Um, but, like, there's, there's just but so lacking. much going on. As soon as you put... As soon as you put Jeff Bridges in a movie and he's only really in like three scenes and he does fuck all like that, that says you've got more people than you know what to do with. <laughs> I love he's always like fingering the bottle or smelling his cigar or something. He's such a disgusting character. He's just like, so he's great. Champ. Yeah. Ross, champ. Final thoughts champ on you on the humor of it all? Uh, yeah, I think the, I think the humor works. Um, and but I agree with Drew in the sense that it is very bloated in terms of now thinking about it. The first one is much better. Um, I still like them. I still think they're entertaining. And I, um, however, they, they're clearly going for over the top action. Um, and some people might really hate that. And some people might like that. It depends, I guess, on your own personal preference. Uh, but the acting is very good apart from Halle Berry. I think she's awful in that movie <laughs> really um yeah yeah she's so right. bad in it. why what was wrong with her she's just so bad she's she's just bad <laughs> bad performance wow <laughs> um yeah. but she doesn't yeah. really do a lot i guess you don't really well, get to see um, much yeah my, my argument would be that. i don't i don't think she has enough to do to say that what she <laughs> yeah. did was bad she's but, bad she's bad um, there you go <laughs> yeah but yeah good performances i enjoyed it yeah i'll give it are we gonna go with scores i think now? you you were feeding straight into it i'm yeah. not gonna stop you ross you crack on I'm with gonna that give score it, of yours i'm gonna give it 3.5 um uh robotic dogs uh that sort of know that elton john's their friends out of five there we go. Thank you very 3. much. 5. Coming straight over to Andy. Ooh, Your score, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Score. I'm gonna say. Just actually think. I just had a thought about relationships. I would have liked that time when he was um when he didn't have his memory. I would have liked maybe Eggsy to take the leader role a bit more. That Hart had in the first film, and then their kind of dynamic switched a little bit more. But mm. um, okay. yeah, definitely the first one. If I was gonna pick which one to watch, the first or second one, it'd definitely be the first. I'm gonna give this one. I say I would have gone three and a half. I think it's just because I like it a lot. But if you really scale oh, it back, I'm going to give it three, 3.25 um, minced or man-made minced burgers. <laughs> man minced burgers. Man minced. Minced man. Mad Thank you very much. <laughs> Coming over to you, Mr. Toynbee. Um, yeah, for me, it, I, I've said pretty much everything the the only things that i haven't said are that mark strong is a treasure and is mm -hmm. is just always 
so magnetic and watchable in everything that he does. I love Mark Strong and only Mark Strong could make me feel emotional seeing a a man in the Hello. jungle in a suit <laughs> singing Take Me Home Country Roads in a broad fake Scottish accent and feel emotional <laughs> watching him do that. Um, Taron Edgerton is really, really great. Colin Firth's always great. Full of Oscar winners, full of fun, full of inventive fights, but overstuffed, overbloated, and just generally OTT. So I'm going with 2.75. Not a recommendation from you, Andrew. Elton John high kicks to the face. (laughs) 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 With a a cheeky grin. Like, it, it is fun and... There is but that's stuff... not a recommendation from you then. No, not quite. Ooh, it, okay. I'd recommend it to some people, but I, I reckon mm. I would only recommend it to two point seven five people <laughs> out of five. <laughs> I think yeah, we've you know we we did a we did an episode not too long ago with the Hitman's Bodyguard, which you know we were talking about the action comedy genre and how it seems to be kind of blowing up a bit at the moment. Kingsman, the Golden Single single kingsman the golden circle came off the back of the first kingsman movie which for me absolutely epitomizes comedy action um this is yeah it gets a little far-fetched they were clearly you know trying to reach perhaps a wider audience and expand a little and see how they could keep pushing boundaries there are some real achieving bits in it with the the action in particular the choreography is stellar so if you were looking for a movie that is packed full of action without necessarily taking itself too seriously and offering you much from a character perspective, this could be your choice. You'd probably want to watch the first one first. Um, but if you're looking for something that's got a bit of meaning to it and something where you can genuinely feel like you've gone on a journey with your characters, this perhaps is not it. <laughs> that being said, I'm going to give it... For me, I do quite enjoy it, and I do have a big big soft spot for the first film. Um, I feel like they could have achieved more, but I did still. I can still sit here and enjoy it in the right mood. So for me, I'm going to give it right on the cusp of a recommendation myself and score it three Golden Circle tattoos out of five. Very nice. So we've scaled from 3.5 down in 0.25 increments, I believe, to 2.75. What does that give us? <laughs> Drew Tone, be the scores, please. Uh, comes out at 3.13, which mm. uh, tied. There we go. Yeah. T- it is a recommendation tied with Commando. Ah, I feel like good. that is quite apt to score, yeah. considering oh, the two episodes and the two conversations we've had does feel fitting so there you go 3.13 scrapes a recommendation um but of course it's always down to you our listeners whether you do or don't watch them with that being said it is time we've reached the moment you've all been waiting for it's time to get those sequels pitched as always you three are going to pitch me your sequel ideas uh i have asked for you this week a title a one-liner synopsis so that our listeners you'll be able to get an idea of where the story's going to go followed by the full pitch just to try and make sure that we've got a bit more clarity on there we are starting with the last person to submit 
who was Drew Toynbee. So you are last submitter. First picture, give me your title, your one-liner, and your pitch, please. Uh, my title is Kingsman the Broken Chain. And my one-liner is, this is the resolution of Harry and Eggsy's journey together. They have to take on a global organisation, again, what a surprise, that plans to permanently crash the world's economy and redistribute all wealth. There we go. So, um, movie opens with a big montage of the Kingsmen and the Statesmen organisations having a number of very successful years. You see them, see their agents, some are sort of, sort of falling and falling in combat, but mostly foiling plots all over the world. Lots of opportunities for just wild, bonkers, the craziest stuff that the second unit can think of to film, and they can just go and film it. Um, Harry has taken their seat at the head of the table as the new Arthur um, he's introducing their newest recruiter a young woman called Donna um, taking on the title of Lancelot and again I'm I'm seeing Florence Pugh because she's wicked again I, I will eventually find someone else to start casting in these roles but she's so good um, she's fresh <laughs> out of the army and very reminiscent of Exy um, and then he says ah and here's Galahad camera pans you expect it to be um Taron Egerton as Eggsy, but it is Daniel Radcliffe um, as the new Galahad. Um, Galahad, real name James, and Harry have a kind of a cordial but a slightly awkward relationship. Um, Galahad and Lancelot are briefed by Harry for a mission to the States where they're going to be joined by Agent Tequila and have Channing Tatum show up. Um, Tequila says to Harry... Uh, are you ready for your big mission? And Harry says he's honestly not sure, but he'll do his best. Cut to Harry being dogpiled by Eggsy's three three-year-old triplets and his half-sister Daisy while they all scream, Uncle Harry! Um, it's the triplets' third birthday party in the garden of a stately home. Eggsy, Tildy and Eggsy's mum, Michelle, are all looking on and laughing at the kids like rolling around on top of Harry. Eggsy and Harry have a chat and talk about how Eggsy has stepped down from field work and he's now kind of acting as a consultant. Um, he helps to train the new recruits and assists the new Merlin and he's taken the name Balthazar. Um, Harry is staying at the house for a few days to sort of catch up because they don't see each other very, very much anymore. Um, cut two. Lancelot and Galahad are infiltrating a big event um, in the US by a guy called Jack Madden. Um, he is a full on like hippie vegan eco warrior played by Dwayne Johnson. Um the whole thing is is vegan powder and renewable energy, etc. Um, they're there because in one of the opening sequences, a statesman was killed whilst investigating something happening at a legal canna cannabis farm, and the statesman found a connection to Jack Madden. Um, you'd have mainly this is Channing Tatum and Dwayne Johnson reuniting after they're like two minutes on screen together in the um, GI Joe movie before they killed off Channing Tatum, um, and have. A bit of banter, Channing Tatum being really into red meat and petrol cars and Dwayne Johnson like talking about vegan protein and having manly back and forth as such. Um, Madden is boasting about his mad heads who are like his followers, like the almost cult-like fans who follow him on social media. While Tequila has Madden distracted, Lancelot and Galahad investigate and they find some information pointing to a server farm in the Nile Delta in Egypt. But before they can leave, Galahad is forced to give himself up to let Lancelot escape with the inf information. So she escapes um, and they follow a signal that they find on Galahad straight to Merlin, who is played by Danny Dyer. 
um, and the new Merlin, Danny Dyer, is also captured. Um, Harry is then obviously called away. Eggsy wants to go with him, but he tells Eggsy that he has to stay and support remotely um, because he can't be responsible for the loss of another father in the Unwin family. Um, so... Act two of the movie, Madden is interrogating Daniel Radcliffe and Danny Dyer, um, gradually sort of teasing out bits of information through various different like tortures and being friends and all of this kind of stuff and playing them off against each other because Daniel Radcliffe and Danny Dyer in the movie, probably not in real life, I don't know, in the movie they hate each other. Um, and so you have them like having a go at each other through all of that as they eventually give out more information through the course of the middle of the film. Tequila begins trying to infiltrate Madden's organization to find Galahad and Merlin um, and Lancelot and Harry go to Egypt to the server farm, which is all run on solar and turbine energy and it's all self-sustaining. Um, Eggsy helps them get in and they find details of Madden's cryptocurrency, which he is releasing soon um, and learn that the plot is anyone who buys this cryptocurrency, it will put out a virus that will empty the bank accounts of anyone who owns it and because it will be all the rich people who will buy it all they will lose all of the money it will be distributed everywhere and everything will be anarchy um but a breach is detected when they get the information the guards start start attacking and the server farm all gets completely blown up um but they manage to make it out Madden eventually breaks Galahad and Merlin and gets access to the Kingsman and Statesman databases and puts everyone at risk again so they all have to go on the run. Um, he puts out a message to his fans and tells them um, through social media and they basically start going crazy like World War Z zombies almost. It's like that level of mania. It's like Beatlemania but grown-ups with dreadlocks. Um, they go and destroy the Statesman HQ and kill Jeff Bridges so that he has a paycheck for this movie. Um, but he obviously takes out loads of them and gets to do some cool stuff. Uh, Madden keeps his plan on track. He publicizes the, re the release of the cryptocurrency. Um, Eggsy tries to discredit him in the press, but he's like, no one listens because the, the Kingsman is a secret organization and they just assume it's just people trying to take him down. Um, there are going to be launch events on Wall Street in London and in Hong Kong and the Kingsmen and the Statesmen all have to rally and sort of spread themselves across all of these different organisations. All of them go to fight but they can't get through Madden's fans and they all get overwhelmed apart from Harry who makes it in. Um, Eggsy like, uses Tildy's resources to fly to wall street to help harry they get into the fight to try and stop madden pressing the button and in the end harry has to sacrifice himself to save eggsy um when they get overpowered and eggsy's uh, harry says no i told you before i can't be i can't cause someone in the unknown family to lose a father again and eggsy's like no but i am losing a father if you die and harry realizes that he is a father and he's really happy and then he sacrifices himself and there we go um <laughs> Madden then has his big speech about how the Kingsmen are as bad as all the wealthy, hoarding all the power, hoarding everything, and he's going to make the world a better place. Eggsy says he agrees, um, but there's a better way. And so Eggsy puts out all of the information and all the resources of the Kingsmen and the Statesmen to the public. Um, with all the information, all of the trades on the crypto are ceased. Madden's followers realise that he's properly evil, and so they're sort of disenfranchised and they stop, and Madden is taken away and arrested. 
all of the Kingsman and Statesman agents are now out of a job, but Eggsy reveals in ending narration, which is actually him telling his kids about their two granddads, the one who died when Eggsy was little and the one who died more recently, um, that the skills and resources of all the agents were put to better use trying to make things better out in the open as they join the army and government agencies and try and affect change from within the system. The end. Excellent. Thank you very much. Cool. Um, a couple of questions, of course. First of all, how much later is this? When's this set? Um, I, I'm I'm seeing it four years after the last one. Cool. Awesome. Right. Um, why? This is very, very clearly the closing chapter on Eggsy and Harry. Um, why did you decide that that would be the case for this movie? Um, it it felt fitting for harry and eggsy's journey to be sent off like this there was also like i was trying to think about it in from a business perspective and because they are doing the prequel they've got from 1918 to 2021 to do whatever kingsman like side stories they feel like doing in any time period with any actors um it just felt like I, i'll be if if i were trying to pitch this as a franchise then i wouldn't make it as definitively the ending and i would find a different way for Exy to win but mm -hmm. it felt like having they they've all got these ideological messages and there's there's valentine in the first movie wants the rich people to live and everyone else to fuck off and die there's poppy who is a a drug dealer but then you've got the republican president who's also evil and so i wanted there to be another politically motivated baddie and it felt like it was it's a little i i appreciate that it's a little bit um it's a little bit winter soldier in that the end is the secret organization giving away all their secrets and and giving up but it just it felt right to end it here and it felt right for it to be a trilogy basically cool um, you've mentioned it already. I'll come back to it. Uh, Madden being a vegan, how do you make sure, you know, an eco-warrior and all the terms that you've used, how do you make sure that it isn't seen as a comment on veganism and therefore potentially divisive? Um, I mean, there there is a risk of that, but ultimately the point is that he is he is going too far with it. The, the, the thing that I want to get to is that actually he has a point like redistributing the wealth of all of these billionaires who find precious resources and snarf them all up before anyone else can get a hold of them is bad and it should be changed but the way that he's going to do it is going to cause global anarchy and millions of innocent people will lose their jobs and their homes and their lives um and so it is partially so i i found a bit of trivia that said that matthew vaughan would want dwayne johnson to be the villain in the third one and i was like well yeah that yes of course <laughs> and and then i was like okay so what would be funny for that and having dwayne johnson be like properly zen and use his massive amounts of charisma but potentially give him dreadlocks and have that kind of cartoonish element to him i thought would just work quite well i i hope that people would would understand that that's not me saying that all vegans are bad 
but yeah. just been very aware that the end of Gillian Moore her password was Viva Las Vegan you know we, I, we yeah, start I walking down of, fine lines yeah I, I have to admit I watched it I watched Golden Circle again this afternoon and realised I'd missed I kind of blocked that from my first watch a, a week or so ago and I was like oh that's maybe that maybe they're tied in maybe maybe he was also Poppy's boyfriend there we go there you go. I mean, I can't take that in in terms of consideration. <laughs> it wasn't in your pitch, but thank you. Um, my last question for you: uh, being a lot of new faces, new names in the cast, a lot of big acting names. Um, how are you going to handle various introductions and character development? Um. Well, so I I think that Galahad as uh, Daniel Radcliffe as James. It, it it will all happen through his and Danny Dyer's like interplay back and forth mm-hmm. um, before they are unceremoniously killed once the information is taken from them. Um, to have Lancelot in, she's there interacting with Harry, and so we'll get to see her just be competent again. It's that was kind of a reaction to the fact that they kill off Roxy in. 10 minutes into the second one without giving her anything to do mm-hmm. i just wanted to see i wanted to have a competent agent who is not male out there doing something um Eggsy will be there like working remotely for most of the film being really frustrated and wanting to help but being torn by his family being there but ultimately going to do his duty but surviving and the Rock is there to be a cartoon character who, at the end, you go, oh, but he does have a point, and then he dies anyway. Okay, thank you very much. Right, we are moving swiftly over to our second picture. Uh, he's sat there, psyching himself up as we speak. Ross Holmston, <laughs> please. What's Hello. your title, your one-liner, and your pitch? Kingsman, a new world. The Kingsmen are back with new peeps. But there's a big billionaire leading uh, the world in space exploration, but seems to be doing much more than that. Take it away. The film opens and we see the Highlands of Scotland. We then see the Kingsman Whiskey uh, Factory. It pans to the side and Eggsy is talking to someone, but we don't know who. We then reveal it's Merlin's gravestone. We then see Eggsy going into a secret entrance and we follow him through their base. We see that the base is brimming with activity. There are people being trained, vehicles being transported and weapons being tested. Eggsy goes into the Kingsman's briefing room and is met by Channing Tatum. They have some banter. Then the head of the table swivels around in his chair and we see Harry. He's now the leader of the Kingsman. We establish that now with the resources of the Statesman, the Kingsman are doing much better than before. Maybe they're debriefing about a past mission to save Boris Johnson's life or something. Anyway, Harry tells them both that they have a new mission, uh, and but he tells them that they will need uh, help and introduce the new Lancelot. It's Tom Holland. It's Jack Davenport's son. Anyway, they, they get told that uh, satellites, including theirs, have been disappointed appearing and even contact with the international space station has stopped big millionaire mogul eli trust played by tom hiddleston who has been creating space flights uh not the same ones in uh fast nine though uh, <laughs> um uh, may be able to help with what's happened they learn that he's going to be a uh, be at sorry doug's texting me uh 
it just keeps popping up. Um, they learn that he's going to be at this technology expo in the Bahamas. So Harry gives them all fake names and shit and off they go. Harry, in brackets, Harry is going to be more of a Merlin kind of character in this film. They all arrive in linen gentlemanly suits. It's a huge expo that's brought hundreds of investors and they do some spy shit and locate Trust's bit of uh, the expo. Uh, they locate him to... Uh, they locate him. Uh, they have words with him. Trust says that he has no idea what has happened to the missing satellite or... Hold on a sec, because Doug keeps fucking messaging me. <laughs> Is he right? Hold on. <laughs> Just mute God. him. I know, but it keeps popping. All right, I've put. Uh, hold on. Right. Sorry. It was just distracting. You know, when you can just see something <laughs> in the corner of your eye, you're like, fuck off. Uh, let's go from. Uh, uh, they do some spy shit and locate Trust's bit of the expo. They locate him. They have words. Trust says that he has no idea what has happened to the missing satellites or the space station, but they get an evil vibe from him. Trust asks the three of them if they want to see what it's like to be an astronaut. They reluctantly agree. So they get put in a centrifuge kind of thing. Something happens, and it keeps going faster and faster. Everyone else passes out, but Eggsy manages to break the machine with a gadget. Trust apologises, but it was definitely in intentional. They leave, and Trust tells the, his right-hand man, played by Batista, to take care of them. He removes his hat, and he, uh, he removes a hat uh, to reveal that he has a metal head, and his name is Hammerhead. Uh, insert, 15, <laughs> insert 15 action, 15 minute action sequence with jet skis, boats, and they manage to get away, uh, leaving Batista on the be beach with all the pigs on it. You know, those, that beach in famous Instagram pictures where there's like loads <laughs> of pigs on the beach, uh, and they lick his face. Um, seen at Trust's secret lair where some celebrities are getting on a space flight, and we learn that these flights are transporting people who have enough money to start a new world. We follow the shuttles it flies into space uh it maybe goes past uh vin diesel just uh in space as well <laughs> and docks with a huge this is part of my ross uh ross uh universe uh the this, uh, yeah the ross cu uh the uh the celebs ask trust uh it questions about uh how it can't be seen by uh, people when he tells them it uses high-tech cloaking. Sorry, I'm getting near the end. Uh, the Kingsman gang now go uh, now have to break into Trust's big factory using spy shit again. Maybe a bal maybe using a balaclava that has the ability to project a different face on it or something. Anyway, they break <laughs> into the uh, the factory and find some secret shit. Channing taking get separated from the other two but they can he see him through a window in another room then they hear trust over the tannoy the bad guy the bad guy speech saying he knew that they were coming and that he plans to kill everyone on the planet uh, with this gas that only kills humans and start and starting a new world with the elite back on earth after the gas has subsided he then fills Channing Tatum's room up with the green gas he chokes and dies um <laughs> they are taken to cells and interrogated uh uh 
maybe there's room for funny dialogue in this bit. They don't give any info uh, who they work for and are taken to the gas room. They break out. Oh, shit. Cute 15-minute action scene uh, getting to... Sp- <laughs> to the uh, getting to the space flight uh they do um they get to the huge space station uh they almost get to trust but are stopped by batista and he explains uh, uh they are stopped by batista and then trust explains that the satellites going missing was him installing them with his gas weapon and that he's going he has them hovering over all the major cities in the world. Anyway, something happens, and just before the, if just before he pushes the button, they all start fighting. Maybe lay with their laser guns. Uh, Batista gets blown out into space. Eggsy kills Trust in a really cool way, and they save the day. The space station is destroyed, and they go home. Eggsy finishes the film by putting up the Sun newspaper headline of a celebrity that cheated on someone on the same day that he saved the world. End of movie. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, I want to learn a little bit more about Elon Trust's uh, character and his drive here. Um, why is he wanting to create this new population and kill off the rest of Earth? Because he's mad, you know. Maybe he's one of these kids that was uh, bullied as a child. Maybe he hates hates the world. Um, and he just, you know, he's always wanted to leave this earth behind. Maybe he's sick and tired of the the assholes. And maybe he got robbed as a child. Maybe he got beaten up. You know, who knows? Some bad shit happened to him <laughs> in his life to turn him into a mentalist. Uh, I was, I you know, why did see parallels with my life? I'm glad you clarified it. <laughs> 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 yeah. So there you go. Okay. Thank you. Um, this film is very much going back to the Kingsman. I know that we've got Channing Tatum there, but the statesmen on the whole seem to pretty much vanish from this movie. Um, is that an intentional decision? Um, no, I just, you know, it's called Kingsman. I want them to be in it, and that I feel that Channing Tatum is that part of the statesman um, that I can introduce. And maybe there might be some scenes where he's talking to uh, Jeff Bridges, maybe back in the uh, and have some more three scenes with uh, uh, Jeff Bridges. Uh, but I mainly want to focus it on the Kingsman. Cool. Uh, we talk about Tatum. Um, Killing him off. He was quite underutilized uh, in the second movie, and he seems quite underutilized again in this movie. Nah, that's what you think, mate. But he's not. He's <laughs> he's utilized via dialogue that they're all gonna have. Obviously, I write you the the pitch. I don't write you the script, and the script is gonna pad it out and have lots of room for development for all the characters, especially Channing Tatum. I see Channing Tatum as this guy that's like a very much a brawler, uh, and like he's uh, and then. Um, what's his face Tom Holland uh, is very much a thinker and he's not much of a brawler and there's going to be like oh you're a you're a thinker oh you're a brawler and there's going to be like room for character development via that way and so yeah eloquent. I'll stop you there I need, I need to know more about Tom Holland's character development that was my other question so he he got brought into it after his father his mother um, similar to Eggsy um Somebody, maybe there might be, a, there could be a flashback scene or something where, um, what's his face? Um, Harry, like, visits um, Galahad's, not Galahad's, uh, what's his name? I've even put it in my own pitch and I've forgotten his Davenport. name. Uh, 
Yeah. Yes, Davenport's um, mother and son, uh, a young Tom Holland, and says, you know, if you ever want to join the Kingsman. And then obviously he trains and trains and he comes in. He's he's much more of a book smart sort of, he's not as physical as everyone else, um, your exes and stuff like that. Um, so that's, and I want him to have a progression on, you know, have some character bits about his father. Maybe, you know, Harry says stump, something about his father as well. Have stuff. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Like Thank you very much. I'm sure there'll be more from the boys, but I'm done for now. I'm going to jump over to our third picture of the evening. Andy Henry. Have you decided your yeah. title? What is your title? Your one liner? No, and your I haven't. Pitch, I couldn't please. think of anything good. <laughs> uh, so I, I'll give you my, my shit title options. It's Kingsman Art Attack. Kingsman, Bucket of Blood, Kingsman, Catwalk of Doom, Kingsman, A New Beginning, or Kingsman, Rebuild, Reassess, Re-something. Use? Recycle, maybe? Isn't it? Reuse. Cool. There you go. You've uh, Strong and stable. For the exactly. moment, it's just Kingsman. Here is one-liner. Andy, what, what's your one-liner, yeah. please? Well, my pitch wasn't first, actually, and mine was called The Broken Chain, but you know, we'll let that go. <laughs> Uh, my one line is the Kingsmen have to save the world from an evil villain who wants to turn celebrities into pieces of art. This time they go into battle without the help of their cool gadgets. There you go. Take it away. Okay, so we start with Beyonce vocally warming up before a gig. A PA, we don't see their face, walks in and asks Beyonce to approve something on her laptop. As Beyonce stares at the laptop, she, st- she stops singing and goes blank. The PA takes her hand and leads her away. A few seconds later, the real PA comes in and tells Beyonce to go on stage. The PA looks around, but the room is empty. Cut to black. In the dark, we hear Eggsy and his new wife, Princess Tildy, having sex, but Eggsy is having problems, uh, problems finishing. He recaps the pressure he's under after the headquarters blow up, and the only two people left to rebuild the Kingsman are him and the new director, Harry Hart. Eggsy leaves and walks to the new headquarters, and as he walks through the town, we see it's decorated in Christmas decorations, and we hear a common Christmas song. Eggsy passes a newsstand with a headline that says Beyonce a no-show at show. When Eggsy enters the new headquarters, it looks like a building site. Basically, it's like maybe a month or so after the first one. Like, it's, it's pretty quick. Uh, Champagne is there telling Eggsy the rebuild is going well and they have the support of the statesman. Eggsy, Hart and Champagne walk past the training room to see uh, Tequila training new recruits. Hart admits that the Kingsmen are a bit thin at the moment. No headquarters, no gadgets, no team. But everything will be fine. The world just needs to stay quiet for a little bit longer. Cut to David Attenborough, who has been kidnapped and is tied to a chair by eccentric art collector and villain Cupid Longstocking, played by Hugh Grant. He tells David they have something in common. They both want the world to be beautiful, and the way to do that isn't through nature, but art. Cupid tells David that he has been kidnapping celebrities and turning them into pieces of art. He shows a painting of Matt Damon, uh, painted with Matt Damon's blood, a tapestry made of Ryan Reynolds' skin, and we see an old-school record player that's been modified with Beyoncé's voice box playing one of her songs. (laughs) David calls the security, but Cupid says they're a little busy at the the moment enjoying art, and we cut to the the security being hypnotised by a video of like a colourful kaleidoscope of shapes. David tries to run, but Cupid waves his hand and the security tackle David and start covering him in clay. He dies entombed in a statue and kept in Cupid's headquarters. Uh, all, the statesmen, all the statesmen leave. They've, they've got a mission or some reason, but I basically want from now on this, the Kingsman to be alone. So Harry reads another celebrity has gone missing and tells Eggsy that he has to go to a fashion show in, say, uh, Paris or, or London, somewhere nice, that will be attended by loads of celebrities hoping to find something out, while Eggsy stays here and retrains the new recruits. 
Uh, and then we cut between the new, new we cut between the next two parts. Uh, the first bit is uh, Hart entering the fashion show and he sneaks around backstage, has a couple of fights or times where he has to knock out someone silently. He oversees Cupid hypnotizing staff who pin down a famous model. Cupid says he wants to preserve preserve her beauty by coating her skin in liquid crystal and hanging her from his ceiling like a chandelier. Ha- uh, Harry sends Eggsy a message and then tries to stop Hup- Cupid, but is ambushed by goons or more hu- uh, hypnotized celebrities, and is tied to a chair and hypnotized by the kaleidoscope as we see the model screaming to death as she is coated in liquid crystal. That's cut in scenes with Eggsy training the new recruits, putting them through the new initiation cha- uh, challenges set by him and Harry. We see they're not living up to what Eggsy had hoped for, but Eggsy starts to bond with them on an, emo- on, on an emotional level. One recruit, Matilda, who looks a lot like Roxy, is the strongest. One by one, Eggsy lets the recruits go. It's hard, but toughens Eggsy up and shows him what being a leader really means. Only Matilda is left. Eggsy gets the message from Harry and leaves with Matilda to help. Eggsy and Matilda go to Harry's last no... Uh, Eggsy and ha- Matilda go to Harry's uh, last, uh, last known location, but he's not there. They solve a few clues, uh, not so much with the limited gadgets they have, but with old, good old school uh, bat- Batman detective work. Um, Non-Batman gadgets, detective work is normal detective work. Uh, an option to find another celebrity, maybe someone who um, could just put a, a big bit of humor into the film. Like maybe it was Kevin Hart, he was hiding behind a bin when Cupid Longstocking, you know, attacked that bit. So we, you know, we get of that. Or they just find clues that lead to a poster to a ballet performance, which will be attended by the Queen or the royal family. And Eggsy realizes that's where Cupid will strike next. Eggsy and Matilda sneak into the theatre, trying to get the drop on Cupid, but as they cross the stage, Cupid shines a spotlight on them. He has an evil guy monologue about wanting to turn the Queen into jewels for his crown. Eggsy vows to stop him, but Cupid tells them that they're trapped. He's already artified the main cast of the ballet and hypnotised the dancers, and he leaves. As Eggsy and Matilda try try to run after him, they're stopped by the dancers of the ballet who form a circle (laughs) around them. This is a this is a one shot fight similar to the church scene in the first one and the end fight in the second. Shot as a one shot where the two uh, the two Eggsy uh, and Matilda fight the dancers in time to a remix of the Nutcracker song. Why fighting using props and staging from the Nutcracker sh- show that's going on? It's awesome. The two catch up with Cupid but are stopped by uh, Harry who knocks out Matilda and Harry and Eggsy have a small fist fight which we've never seen and then fight over a gun. Eggsy tries to aim it at Cupid while Hart aims it at the Queen. Uh, eventually, Matilda wakes up and knocks out Hart. They hear the start of the show is about to happen and wake up Harry, who is back to normal now. The curtains open and the trio are on stage and explain everything uh, to the audience. Cupid tries to escape but dies in an uh, uh, in an ironic way. I want him to ha- like I want him to always ha- uh, be searching for like one bit of art that he just can't get or make and stuff, and then he dies, you know, being the being the bit of art that he never had, something like that. Uh, Eggsy tells Hart that he's taken some time off but that he promotes Matilda to acting number two so she can continue looking and training more recruits she can have a joke like oh acting number two for now ha 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 so we have fuel for a sequel if we want it Eggsy goes home goes home and bangs his wife uh, saying he knows what's important and he has a speech about how looking after the recruits was like uh, being a father and then we skip to the princess giving birth and see Eggsy with his baby boy a future kingsman named after the two most important men in his life Lee his dad and Harry his godfather the end Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I feel like the guys have got a couple of questions that I'm not going to jump into myself right now. Um, in So similar to Ross, the statesmen, you say they're there and then they just leave and that's it. Like you, I, I feel like they need a reason to leave. What were you kind of thinking? What would call them away from the fact that every a celebrity A big attack on America. Okay. Yeah. 
I just, uh, yeah, like they they were there basically because in the end of the second, they're like, you've got our resources. And I basically wanted the idea, like Harry would have the idea that he was like, oh, we'll probably be all right for like a month while we can rebuild. But within that first month of rebuild, the statesmen are called away. So they're alone. They've got no gadgets. They've got no anything really. So you have to rely on their, their wit and their cunning and their strength. How would you convince people that they wouldn't just leave them a ton of little gadgets lying around? I mean, they can, but there's only like little ones. They're gonna have they're only like pocket ones. Okay. So they can you, they, they can use obviously because one of the big best bits about um, Kingsman are the gadgets. So I don't want to completely strip them out. I tried to think of like three that they could use, but um, I couldn't really think of anything. But um, no, I say they've got a few. I say they can when they're looking, they can have a few gadget, gadgets, okay. and they can be like, oh, thanks tequila. But, cool. Um, you brought back a female protagonist, uh, always welcome, similarly to Drew. You've actually uh, referenced Roxy as one of the reasons for doing so. Um, how do you, like, what journey does she go on and how do you kind of differentiate from the Roxy in the first movies? Uh, I don't know, the journey, she doesn't have much. She had just become a Kingsman, basically, at the end, without trying to, like, just given nothing but mm-hmm. that's basically it it's kind of it's still kind of um on if we have more the idea is setting her up for more i want this to kind of be an end to Exy's path if if we want and then we can and we can keep going um what was the other thing you said you said why um um just how do you differentiate her from the roxy character we saw oh the point was that um <clears throat> they're they're very similar like the i wanted i wanted Exy to kind of one uh second guess himself did he actually pick the right person or is it just because she looks and reminds her of Roxy so much uh, again going forward I was like oh he's going to have Harry as his kind of like buddy buddy but it would be good having that um, option to have a romantic entanglement that Princess Tildy can get upset with and stuff and he's just like we're just friends and stuff but she's like yeah but you, you know I just want I was thinking a, a bit forward about that as well okay um, I'm sure the guys will speak about that bit uh the biz- I I love the idea of the ballet, uh, having a fight scene with the ballet. Um, <laughs> I can see that being very visual. Um, but in saying that, it appears like I feel like that's really the only big crazy fight scene we get. We get a lot of rather interesting and macabre death, but we don't necessarily see the action that we've seen in the other two movies. Where else could we explore that or find that kind of crazy combat that we're used to seeing? So we got the big fight scene at the end. Um, Eggsy and Harry have their little fight as well, which I really like because they've never had anything before. Harry going around, uh, knocking everyone out and getting the fights when he enters the fashion show. That will be there. Um, we got fights in between. I mean, we can. Uh, it's not really a fight, but we can cut to the training recruits kind of you know, throwing people over and stuff. But no, there's fights in there. Okay. Um, and I, I've already touched on it, but there's a lot of death and there's it's quite macabre, quite grotesque what you're going for here. Um, how do you ensure that this stays funny and doesn't just become kind of slasher horror-esque? Yeah. One, the I wanted the death to be outrageously silly, like... Damon's pic- a picture of Matt Damon made with his blood. But um, yeah, have you seen random reference? But has anyone seen um, Paddington 2? Mm. So imagine if, if any of your listeners have seen Paddington 2, Hugh Grant plays the villain in Paddington 2, and he is absolutely hysterical. And oh, he's yeah. like, 
an aging actor, if I remember right, who's kind of going slowly mental. So he's a bit over the top and he likes disguises and he's like got different accents and stuff. So it's a shame you, you haven't seen it, Matt, but mm. like, um, cause it's obviously being the host, but no, he's, he's going to be so over the top and eccentric. It, it's yeah, it's, it's going to be hilarious. And uh, yeah, I'd say the, the, the deaths, I wanted it to be a mixture of pretty violent and almost a little bit scary and also just kind of funny. Okay. Um, so I apologise, listeners, for not seeing Paddington 2 and being able to you, understand You should apologise as well. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, honest, man. You know, Paddington 1, I'd say give a skip, but Paddington 2 Sequel? actually is old. <laughs> I haven't seen it either, man. Yeah. Like, both, both Paddington yeah. movies are absolutely yeah. stunning. Yeah. It should be a shame. Oh, watch the second one just for Hugh Grant. He's so good in it. And I'll just dial him up at like another 30% because he's already at 100 basically then anyway. Cool, so. cool. So this is uh, a Kingsman Paddington crossover from the sounds of things <laughs> all of a sudden. There you go. Work that one out. Anyway, i Ross's Fast and Furious crossover. I have heard enough. Don't make me throw you off the boat, Andy. I've heard enough <laughs> for now. I need to go away and think. Um, so Kingsman, I'm going to let you get through basic training and beat the shit out of each other and tell me why I should be picking you. And your movie over the fellow pictures. Uh, the floor is yours. Just take it away, please. All right. I gave everyone a second to jump in. I'm going to jump in. I think that mine is the most faithful to whatever emotional through line has been happening for these characters up to this point. Um, I think that it. I think that it's got the best villain in terms of the progression from the other two movies where ross's villain is just the villain from the first one but now he's tom hiddleston instead of sam jackson and andy's villain is andy's villain sounds really fun and i really like it but his world ending plot is turning celebrities into art it's not like these guys deal with the end of the world and this guy is kidnapping 12 human beings and murdering them inventively and that's not the end of the world to me um yeah i i like that's kind of it for uh, i was just gonna say matt don't listen to drew yeah my god all right he was talking about filler and 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 the second one being so full jesus you couldn't fit any more into his uh into his pitch there it is, brimming. Pretty long act uh, one. Y- it up, is yeah. a pretty long act one. Pretty long act me. two. Act By the end of it, people the will happens. be asleep. People will be asleep. My <sighs> guy, my bad guy. Yes, it may be similar to the first one, but then the, you could say and the first one is similar Elon to the. Musk. Y- yeah. <laughs> no, come Elon on. Trust. Get inventive. Elon trust. No, I, trust, at yeah. first I was like, "Ah, oh, Eli trust." Oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's quite funny. No, and then I you're like, "No, Elon." Oh, did I say? Oh, we meant Eli. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you could say that about the both bad guys from the first and second, that they are very similar. Um, I bring it to space, yeah? I bring it to space, which is r- ridiculous. Uh, I'm going for that ridiculous Roger Moore uh, fantastic uh, thing, and I think I achieved that. Andy's, yeah, it's okay, but I also feel, I feel similar to Drew, like make guy making something out of uh like it's basically neil buchanan isn't he uh, an evil <laughs> neil buchanan making an art attack uh and he even called it art attack as well so um 
I think you should pick mine uh, because it's the best. Thanks. Bye. Who? Oh, I went to Ross, I'm Ross guessing, is logged I'm off. I'm guessing uh, Neil Buchanan is the art attack guy. Yeah. 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 Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was a bit like, oh, I, I, okay. And I was going to type it, but that's fine. Um, okay. So mine. Yes. Um, yeah. I wanted to strip back our heroes. Um, I like the idea of taking away their gadgets and see what they actually are without their gadgets. Like Iron Man, Batman. Who are they properly like underneath? It was uh, done on purpose. If you look back to the comics, a lot of the times they are based around celebrities and celebrities being kidnapped or brainwashed or anything like that. Uh, my villain, let's be face it, is the most memorable of the three. If you look back over the last uh, the last two films, Samuel Jackson and um, uh, what's her name? Jesus, what's her name? Julianne, Julianne Moore. That's it. That's it. Um, you... They're both memorable, and oh, so well, that you can't remember definitely... Julianne Moore's name. <laughs> Yeah, not the actress. I remember Poppy. I keep keep wanting to say uh, Julianne or the other one, but... Uh, Mine was the only one who had a cool one-shot fist fight like the others. Um, It's basically a good end to Eggsy if we do and a good start off for New Kingsman if we want to keep going. Uh, And there's the most most fun. Okay. Any of you boys got anything to say to Andy on this? Um, I mean... I I still the other thing that I didn't point out about Andes is that if if the statesmen all disappear because there's a giant attack on America that they all have to fight off, that sounds like a more interesting film than the one that Andes pitched us. Um, yeah, not the one I want to say. I want a strip a stripped back one. That yeah, I know, but like, like I want to talk about wait. So a, a good a good pitch would find yeah. a way to remove the statesman that ties into your initial story rather than just going oh no and they're gone and then just don't worry about them. Yeah, but doesn't Eggsy reveal the whole Kingsman in yours? Like, yeah, and and release all the information. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> well, yeah, because so they've what, all. What, they've... What's going to happen after that? What what's that going to lead to? Like, it's hopefully going to lead to is it though, social change make, like, because billions, yeah. like these organizations, have billions much. at their disposal. The statesmen have an entire giant building in downtown Manhattan. They have billions of dollars. I think that would be Eggsy a good end to the utilizing... second to see where they're actually left off. It's it's a well, bit no, they... to let to end on well no it's a, it's a hopeful really ending see. to see a hopeful mine's got a hopeful ending ross has got a hopeful ending every ending can be hopeful uh, if you go yeah, hard exactly i think but i think no Drew, i want to see the end of this i want to see where this, this is mine's got more mine's not the end i think you just said you wanted to see the end and then you said mine's not the end so which is it i want to see the next movie based on what happened in yours i think thank you andrews let me hear Ross. i think i think you're trying to give morality and like you're trying to be too clever with a ridiculous eye, which is commendable because you're trying to steer it back on a track. But it is, it is a stupid action comedy movie, and I don't, you know, uh, with hope. Yeah, you know, maybe the, there might be another one after that. But mm-hmm. I commend you, sir, for <laughs> doing that. And whether Matt picks that is, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I guess. Yeah, I, I have to, I have to say, like that. Ross is going to space and Andy's having Hugh Grant as the villain. I absolutely love both of those <laughs> developments for it. That's a lot of gas in the satellites. How did they get the gas up? <laughs> like, how did the gas get back into the atmosphere? Like, what's going on, on with on, the satellites? I don't know, plane, I don't plane know, plane know if this movie's the right one to start questioning like, logistics <laughs> after hearing some of the yeah. shit you've come out with as well. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Mine's, mine's more realistic. I'm stopping it there. I'm stopping it there. I have heard enough. Boo. I don't want you killing yourselves. We're going to go on Call of Duty <laughs> later and you can do it there instead, okay? Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, not sponsored. 
Um, okay, reviewing the three. <laughs> Drew, I, you know, it does, you've um, brought in an emotional through line, correct? You've, you know, I feel like you've kind of taken it back towards the path of the first one, where um, the second had perhaps gone a bit off the rails. And, you know, on your review, you talked very much about that being one of the things that you didn't like. It was weighted out. Uh, it was padded out with things, but nothing really uh, gripping and in-depth. I do think, again, that there's quite a lot going on. So if this is a sequel to Kingsman the Golden Circle, um, you know, you've got a lot of kind of recovering to perhaps do from a character perspective. But that is, you know, neither here nor there for someone who likes a bit of emotional weight as well. Um Ross, space and being more ridiculous, you, you're absolutely fucking right. You know, I think <laughs> you've taken it out there again. You've you've uh, thrown it up into the air to see where it lands. Uh, but I quite like it. And I think there's certainly some good spectacle in that and taking it to space. I can see a lot of uh, opportunity with that. I do, however, feel Vin that Diesel. actually... Vin Diesel in the background would just be hilarious. <laughs> just just a really small one, just a little tiny detail. That'd be so Just funny. one, oh. yeah, in one frame. One shot, one frame. This is robotic arms. <laughs> um, <laughs> reflecting the stars. Stop it. Shut up. However, in the uh, flip side, I do feel that yours is actually a little light in some ways on some uh, character weight and emotional uh, depth. And, you know, you we kind of half introduced some new characters without really learning much about them. But you did explain that perhaps there'd be ways that we could learn more. Um, so that is down to your script writers. Andy, yeah, you you know, I respect that you've done research into the comics. Uh, you've kind of pulled on some areas of focus there. Uh, the villain, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? What's Hugh Grant's? Cupid Longstocking. I mean, some anything Longstocking. <laughs> I still didn't get the first name, but I like the idea that it's Cupid. Mr. Locking Stock, Mr. Longstocking. No, it's Cupid Longstocking. Cupid Longstocking. Jeez. Well, there you go. I mean, that's uh, that's probably going to turn up in a B B budget movie somewhere, if not uh, the next, <laughs> if not the next Ooh, Kingsman movie. Um, Ooh, again, it's it just kind of feels a little. Like you've said that you want it to be, uh, you know, they're stripped back and whatnot, but I kind of feel like the movie's stripped back as well. Like there's, there's some quite hitting moments from the death perspective, but I feel like as an action movie, it's a bit light. It's it doesn't really have as much oomph as the other two do. Uh, so that is something that would need addressing. With that all being said. There is only room for one winner. I really actually like all three of them, and I feel like they could all be very good sequels um, in their own right, and with the right director, they could all very much work. However, it's, you know, do you pick the best? Do you pick your favourite? Um, I'm kind of going with the one that I feel probably fits the second Kingsman movie best I must admit so Drew it's absolutely nothing it's for me it's your the emotional journey for characters I really like but having kind of listened to the three and thinking about where we're going with this one this week uh sadly we're not going to be uh breaking chains 
However, the winner <laughs> of this week's episode is... Kind of hate myself for saying it because he's not going to stop talking about it, but it is Ross Harmston. Because hey. I love the idea of just going up into space <laughs> with this. If the way that Wacky Kingsman Golden Circle went, it seems a natural progression to go that way. Yeah, it's a fair cop, Gov. <laughs> yes, good. Thank you, Ross. Yes. Thank you, boys, Jeez. all of you. Satellite very, very gas. good Just pictures. That scene alone would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Construct that, get it up. I know it's going to be all in like a CGI model on a computer and they just press a button, it'd be a hologram. And they'd be like, we'll just get it up. We'll get it up there and it will just, it will, we'll crash the satellite back down and that will spread the gas. I like it. <laughs> there you go. You've yeah. got the backing also, of your pictures, for. Ross. That doesn't happen I'm often. definitely for a Ross Cinematic <laughs> Universe as well. Let's have a little Vin Diesel on the fucking like on top of the there's uh, definitely yeah, yeah. it is a, the Rossi yeah. the oh. um and the, yeah instead of yeah there's gonna there's there's room for Vin Diesel to be sp- flying in space <laughs> and the asteroid before that hits in World War Z <laughs> is gonna be there uh, and maybe it smashes through this the space station that uh thingy and then then that uh. starts my whole that's my phase one of my uh, <laughs> there we go Rossi we've U. now heard phase one so God knows where <laughs> we're going to go with it. However, we do need to know where we're going to go next week, Ross. What are we pitching? Oh, what a segue! Next week. What uh, a segue! We Thank you. Are pitching? You are pitching me uh, sequels to the 2016 action DC film Suicide Squad. No. Oh, no. That wonderful <laughs> movie. Can can I okay, can I ask a clarifier with this? Yes. Yeah, so in in the DCEU are we in Zack Snyder's Justice League canon or are we in the theatrically released Joss Whedon? You canon? are uh, that's a good question, Drew. You are in the theatrical I want basically uh Anything that's happened in the movie, uh, you can put in your sequel. So cool. in my sequel, there is Batman played by um, Batfleck. Uh, yeah, Batfleck yeah, do we have to and keep Jared the, Leto. Do we have to keep all the rest of the universe um, and storylines and everything like that? You can do. Um, if it, it does, it have to tie on to other films. Can I like kill Aquaman or something? Uh, you you can kill Aquaman. I mean, what, why we we can do this off air, guys. Uh, <laughs> we yeah. so you can. Yeah. We will see. Uh, we will talk off air about what you can include and what you can do. But cool. I want to see your best sequels for that. I'm pretty sure we're all gonna think that it was a pretty average <laughs> rubbish movie. That was terrible. So let's yeah. do another film. <laughs> anyway, we can already this is let's all already get the scores in. It's about week. a one yeah. or an all point five. All yes. a discussion for next one. week. Right, yeah, come on. My one hour and 20 minutes, we've done more than enough. Uh, I'm going to sign off now. <laughs> yeah, this has geez. been another brilliant episode. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. I've been your <laughs> oh, host, Matt so Rushton. Joining me as always, Andy Henry. Bye, bye, bye. Drew Toynbee. Thank you, goodbye. Thank you very much. And this week's winner, Mr. Ross Harmston. Ross Virginia, British man, take me home. Country road. Good night, everybody.